worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. The Week That Was with Joe Palmisano. It is Saturday, already October 5th, 2019, and this is The Week That Was. You know, I normally don't like to start the show off on a down note. Um, But I have to, because I really like sharing with you exactly what's going on, uh, what has gone on this week in my life and uh, things that I think are important to all of us. Two people um, that were very important in my life passed away this week. One of them was a childhood friend who lived a few houses down from me in North Akron. Um, I have shared with you that our neighborhood was like one family. Many houses, but really only one house. Everybody came and went as they wanted. Doors were always open. Um, We were always together. We were always looking out for each other. Ben Santafaro was born the same year as me into a house with three kids, like my family, and into a home that was a house that was built on the same design as ours. There was very, there were, both families were very close. They were part of our family and we theirs. Uh, there wasn't a day that went by that we weren't hanging out together, getting into trouble, fighting with other streets, guys, sharing adventures in the gorge uh, in that is between Akron and Cauga Falls, and just growing up. Vince went on to be the guy that built every Swenson's and every Rockney's restaurants and so many more things. And Vince died this past week of a from ALS, and with him, uh, kind of an era that will never be seen again, neighborhoods like that, in my mind. The other was a shock and, and absolutely rocked me to my core, left, left me reeling, sad, uh, grieving. And it was uh, Shane Nalepa, who was my quarterback at Malone College, first quarterback at Malone College. A young man that was absolutely full of life, uh, who reminded me of me at his age, cocky, kind of bold, mischievous. You never knew what was going on in Shane's head and what he was going to do. He was an All-American. He possessed a toughness that resembled more of a linebacker. I used to call him, he he was a quarterback um, with a linebacker's personality. He came out of Steubenville, Ohio. He carried that tough, street-smart kid with him proudly. This past spring, Shane was inducted into the Malone University Hall of Fame. He became a very successful man, 
a beautiful and wonderful wife, Carla, two young boys, Gavin and Bo. Shane passed away suddenly at 44 years old this week. Suddenly. I saw his parents yesterday, and we hugged, we cried together. What has entered my mind over and over the past week after these two deaths is how precious people and life are and how precarious life is. That all these things we discuss each week, we, we talk about, you know, you hear all the political stories and this and that. And I'm, you know, and I have to admit, I used to be very political, very into the news. And I think as I get older and I see things like this and I start to actually think and grow a little bit still, you realize that it's really only about people. Um, All these things we discuss pale in comparison to those we share this space with. Nobody, the, the sad thing is, is this, how we use external issues, and I talk about this all the time, and it's so important, how we use external issues and our own minds to separate us from every human being that shares our space. We forget that our lives are not permanent. And we get caught up in trivial things. As if they bring us meaning and purpose. When our purpose should be, and really is, only to know, to love, and support those around us, those who share this planet with us. If we, if we lived our lives with that purpose, we could be fully in life, we could be outrageous, we could be bold. And this is an interesting question that you, you would have to ask yourself this. I ask you all to ask yourself this question. If you knew you only had six months to live, Six weeks to live. Would race disappear? Would the color of one's skin suddenly disappear? Would someone's politics suddenly disappear in importance to you? Would someone's outlook on things suddenly disappear to you? I think it would. And I think about Shane, and I think about Vince, and I think about everybody else, and I think about our own lives. What would you do? And that's a great question for today. What would you do? What if we lived each day as if it were our last? Would race, politics, status, or anything else have any hold on us? I doubt it. Think about that. We have a lot of stories to talk about. I'm going to talk about, you know, it's tough to go into stories now, but we have to. We have to talk about things that happened this week. We have to talk about other things. But I'm going to talk about them all in the context. Just remember them all in the context of what I just talked about. 
Um, we're going to have the latest the news with Jim Michaels Sports with John Bazika as always. Our trifecta, trifecta contest. And uh, as always, Stephen Potter is at the helm guiding the ship. Stay tuned. The week that was will continue right after this. It is contest time. I'm going to give you the answers now. And later on in the show, I'll give you questions if you match them up. I'll tell you what, this is this is something I would like to have. Wouldn't you, Stephen? I, I, a pair of tickets to the blood prison at Mansfield Reformatory. Oh, my gosh. This has got to be awesome. And I want to give this prize to someone who has never won it. So I'm going to comb the buttons today. And we're going to find somebody who has never won this prize to give it to. A pair of tickets to the blood prison at the Mansfield Reformatory. Good for the 2019 season. I'll give you the website later you could go to and look it up but here are the answers number one's mr spock number two bing b-i-n-g bing mr spock bing and number three is mercury freddie mr spock bing and mercury those are your three answers mr spock bing and mercury later on the show i'll give you the questions and um, you can win, try and win, maybe win. We'll see. You know, I was talking. Um, I was talking about Shane, especially Vince. You know, Vince is my age, and and Vince Santafaro had ALS, and and you know, as much as I miss him, he um, it, it was it was better for him. Shane. Nalepa, 44 years old, full of life, still full of life. I mean, we just celebrated, like I said, his uh, his induction in the Hall of Fame in the spring, and we were all out together, and he's just it, it, unbelievable and just a great family, mom and dad, everybody. But it brought me back also to the fact that how how – um, how I feel about those young men uh, that I coached, especially the ones at Malone, and and I left them far too early and went to Akron. Um, but they were like they were like my kids, and so when when I heard about Shane passing, um, it was like this isn't supposed to happen. I'm not supposed to be burying. A child, so to speak, a kid. Uh, I have so much love for all those guys that that were on that team and that were part of that group, and they've they've still become, and they're still. I still look at them as my kids, and they're they're forty four years old now. Um, but they are. Um, I I wanted to. There's so many things I wanted to get into, but uh, you know, I don't even know where to start. Do you know that, uh, I, I do want to get into this, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And rightly so, 
we should make people aware of breast cancer, getting tested, doing the things. But did you know what September was, Stephen? Do you know what September was? No one knows. I don't see any purple out anywhere. And as a prostate cancer survivor, September is Prostate Cancer Awareness Month. Why don't we give the same attention? Who is Who gets these things going? Why don't we give enough attention to prostate cancer? You know, one in ten men will get prostate cancer in their lifetime. And one in six African-American men will get prostate cancer in their lifetime. And we just passed September. There will be um, 100 new cases of prostate cancer. 109 in 100,000 men in a year. The number of deaths, 19.2 in 100,000 men per year. The rates are age-adjusted, but 1 in 10 men will get prostate cancer. They're estimated right now to be over 3 million. This is as of 2016. Over 3 million men living with prostate cancer in the United States. I don't know why teams don't wear purple in September. And, and you know, rightly so. Breast, breast cancer is a terrible disease and needs to be recognized. But as a prostate cancer survivor, I don't think many people realize September is. And you know what? Everybody who has a father, a brother, um, uh, you know, a friend, we need to make men aware of prostate cancer. So they go get the PSA done. They go get tested. They get those things done. So let me remind you, men, as we head into Breast Cancer Awareness Month, to go get your PSA checked. It's a simple blood test. Go get it done. Just like women now, go get checked. Go get a mammography. Go get a physical checkup. Do those things. These are two. I look at prostate cancer and breast cancer as almost the same thing for men and women. It's, it's the most common cancer in men. It's, it's a cancer that can be treated and has a good survival rate if found early, but there are still far too many deaths from prostate cancer as there are in breast cancer. So remember those things, and as we, as we pass transition from September to October, remember both of those and go get checked. As you go get the exam for breast cancer, remind your husband, your brother, your cousin, your whatever, go get your PSA check. Get it done. It's very treatable, and, and, but it must be done. All right, when we come back, we're going to get into sports with John Bazika. We're going to talk high school football. We're going to talk about, I'm, I'm so sick of John Gruden. I love, uh, you know, John Gruden is complaining, but he brought all this on himself. You know, Vontez Burfick, Antonio Brown, and he's also got another guy in the team that we're going to talk about 
who is can explode in any second. So as we look into what's going on there, I, I, I guess I get, I get, you did this to yourself. So why are you complaining? You took these risks. Why are you complaining? We'll talk about that. There's so much more to talk about, and we'll get with John Bazika here when we come back. Stay tuned. The week I was will continue right after the news and sports. We are back. And um, did you say St. Louis? I did. Did you make that was a mistake then? Yeah, it was. You really wanted to see Saint say St. Louis. I did. I just felt like seeing St. Louis. Have you ever said Louisville when you're talking about the college Louisville? No. Okay. I've said Louisville when I'm talking about the college or when I'm talking about the high school Louisville. You have? I have. Wow. I, I you know, I those are and and I've I've made those mistakes. Do you say Gnadenhutten or Janadenhutten? Janadenhutten. Okay. I normally say Janaden Hutton. Ah. Okay. What do you do when you're bored? This. <laughs> oh, John, that was good. You know what I do? What? I call Best Westerns. Oh. And when they answer, they always go, Best Western, and I yell, True Grit with John Wayne, and hang up. <laughs> That's pretty good. Thanks. That's good. Thank you. Bravo. <laughs> True Grit, John Wayne. Do you um, ah. talk about high school? High school f- football. Maslin's on a different planet. He said, talk about high school, and I was going to be like, well, it was a hard time for me. I went through a lot of growth at that period of my life. I didn't really hit my peak until I was a senior. I still questioned a lot about myself even then. Um, Yeah, Maslin's on a different planet. Uh, They literally played so well last night. Um, at Austin Town Fitch to win 55-7 to seven. Uh, in years past. That's always a game that people look at and they say, oh, it's going to be a tough game for Maslin. That's just not the case for them this year. They can pretty much go into games and kind of name their score. Um, I don't know, even last year, as good as they were, that they were that good. You know, they still had games last year where there were, you know, close games in the second half, and they're just... They're just not getting that this year. The only team that gave them a game was Penn Trafford from uh, Pennsylvania earlier this year. They and they're another, usually a good team. They are, and they have another Pennsylvania team this week in Gateway. So, and, and they're typically a, a pretty Gateway's good, not bad, a pretty good program as yeah. well. But I, I just don't know that anybody's going to be able to hang with Maslin. I mean, I can't think of uh, they have Barberton after that, and I I don't see Barberton being able to hang with them. No, and then they have Louisville the week after that, and I know Louisville's three and three, and they just beat Hallam last night. But if Louisville last year couldn't hang with them, I, I don't know if this year's Louisville team is is that much better. I mean, they're on about the same par as last year, right. so you know, so it and, comes down to the McKinley game, yeah, which man. which you know. You look at it on paper, and probably Mass, and you would give Mass on the edge, but you never give anybody the edge in that game. You never know no. what's going to happen. It's true. Like last year, I know a lot of us went into the game and kind of felt like 
Maslin was the better team, but McKinley hung around, and they had their opportunities late in the game. So the last couple years, it's been that way. Even no matter who it is, no matter who the big favorite has been, it's always been a game coming down the stretch. There's only been a couple times that I can ever remember where one team has blown out the other by a lot. I mean, it's almost always a close game down to the fourth quarter. So who in Stark County now, we start looking we're going into week, this is week seven, is it? It is. So you're going into week seven. Um, you've got, you know where people are ranked. Yep. Start, I always used to try and put a number, how many numbers of, how many schools I thought in Stark County would get into the playoffs. Do you, have you done, have you looked at that at all? Yeah, in a sense, I have. Um I expect, obviously, I think McKinley will make the playoffs. I think Jackson will make the playoffs. So that's two. In Division Two, Maslin's a shoe-in right now, unless something drastic changes. Right. Um, and then you have Perry, Hoover, Alliance, and Lake? even Lake that are all in that same region. A couple of those teams aren't going to make it in. But where are they? I, I, I... Right now, if it if it ended today, right now, Lake and Perry and Alliance would be in the playoffs. And, and then McKinley and Jackson. And McKinley and Jackson. So that's five. That's five. Division four, until last night, Northwest was in the playoffs. They lost last night to CVCA, but... Their schedule does favor them coming home. So okay. their chances of winning some games and finding a way to week 11, I would feel are pretty good. Um, Division five, I think Sandy Valley has a chance. I think uh, Central Catholic has a chance. Central has a big game against Jackson in a couple weeks, and we've seen Central go into that game before and be you know the underdog by 30 points, and then Trucker just figures out a way. So they would have to, they would obviously get a ton of points for that they would that would be the thing that would put them in yeah they would need to get a win that week okay they'd need to hope to get an upset so we're looking week. at probably and then in division seven we could potentially have um st thomas they look like they're in a pretty good place to get in and uh division six i i i know that east canton is three and three but if they beat sandy valley in a couple weeks that gives them a ton of points mm-hmm. and it probably knocks sandy out if they win but it puts them in and again, Spider Miller, just like Trucker, yeah. you know, two guys that are old football coaches that you you can't count out what they do week in and week out. So right now, what you're probably about seven or eight, somewhere in there. And, and when and, and when we say old football coaches, we mean experienced football. Yeah, coaches. yeah, like, not old know. football. No, no, yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Spider tells me that he has to pee all the time, but that's <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> He literally does. He always, whenever That's we talk funny. to him, he always says that. <laughs> That's funny. No, I, I just, there are certain coaches, obviously, that, that you just can't count them out. Yeah, Even I agree. like last night, like Keith Wakefield goes on the road to Hoover. Everyone always counts Perry out. They always overlook Perry. And here's Perry after six weeks, Joe, sitting at five and one. Just like every wow. other year. Yeah. You know, and, and I know in a couple weeks, they're going to play McKinley. And everyone's going to look at the game and say McKinley's heavily favored. 
And just like most years, Perry's going to figure out a way to make the wing tee work. Mm-hmm. They always do. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. It's just it's it's over the course of the year, something clicks for them, <clears throat> and it's every single year something just works. And you know they may not always make the playoffs, but ever since Keith has gotten back there, they're, they're winning at least six games a year. Yeah, you know, and most years eight games a year. They've yeah. been to the state twice. Yeah. And on any given year, that could be them again. I agree. I agree 100%. Now, so we're probably looking at maybe five, five, six teams yeah, that, that I'd could say get five in. Or but six now they're going to play each other. Some of them are going to eliminate each other yep. in the course of this, and, and that's going to continue. I, um, I'm going to do, I'm, I'm looking forward to going the 11th. Yeah, this coming week. Oh, is that this week? It is. Oh, my goodness. It's already here. Jackson. Oh, Jackson and McKinley? That's going to be a whale of a game. I get to do it. Five and one. Five and one. Both undefeated in the Federal League. At Jackson. At Jackson. There's a lot of drama there. I'll be doing the All-Care Stadium show and the game with Dan because um, Mark is getting inducted, right? Mm-hmm. In the uh, Bowling Green yeah. Hall of Fame, Ring of Honor, whatever it is, and that's a great, great honor for him. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to coming back and doing that. Plus, it's only a two minute drive from my home. Could walk there, probably. I could walk there, but I won't. <laughs> I'll drive. All right, we come back. I want to get into some other things. Sure. Uh, and then we're going to get into some other things at nine too. Uh, the continuing saga. I had a lot of conversations this week. I can tell. No, you can't. No, I mean, I had a lot of conversations about the uh, Ohio legislation, the NCAA, the, 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 <laughs> the. I can tell. No, you can't. <laughs> you don't know what I'm talking about. But we're going to get it. I want to get into this whole uh, Oakland Raiders, Fontes, perfect. Sure. Uh, Everything. Can we also talk about my middle school years? We talked about high school. I want to get into what middle school was like for me. Bless you. I sneezed. Bless you. I'm so professional. Middle school was. We don't hit the sneeze button. We don't do anything. We just sneeze. Wait. It's great radio. We'll be right back after this. We are back. Uh, Waiting for John to get in here, but in the meantime. um, John Gruden came out this week and said uh, kind of a ridiculous thing. He said, said, I'm really not going to say anything. I've talked to Runyon, who is the... Runyon is from the league office, the guy who handed down the suspension, and Bontez Perfect, uh, for the illegal hit. I mean, it was a stupid, crazy, I'm I'm intent to kill you kind of hit. Um, he said, he knows how I feel. It hurts our team really bad. I'm anxious to see what the appeal says. I'm not happy about it at all. I'm obviously upset about it. Now, 
Bontez Burfik has been fined. All right, in 2016, he was suspended three games for excessive hit on Antonio Brown in the playoffs. In 2017, he was suspended three games for an excessive hit on Anthony Sherman of the Chiefs. In 2018, he was suspended four games for PEDs. He has been suspended or fined 14 times in his career. Now, when he was at Arizona State University, he racked up 22 personal fouls in 37 games. He was finally kicked off the team. Oh, no, that was another guy. That was that. We'll get into that later. Um, following, and here's a letter. Following each of the previous rule violations, you were warned by me and each jointly appointed, uh, appointed appeal officers that further violations will result in escalated accountability. This guy should not be in the league, let alone get his suspension lessened and John Gruden is is kind of he's he's he took a chance on Antonio Brown sure knowing his past and it blew up on him yeah he took a a chance on Vontez perfect made him captain the team it blew up on him yeah I really don't understand the I understand maybe taking a chance on a guy like that I don't understand the Making him captain of the team. Made him captain of the team. That's poor planning. Here's another guy. Who's his right guard, left guard? Richie Incognito. Oh, the guy from uh, the Dolphins. Really? All those. Really? He was. He's been kicked out of the league how many times? He has gone. He has had more problems beating up people. He's been. He's been eliminated from. I mean, he's actually had break-ins. He's actually had people call him. He's been arrested for for different breaking in, going into houses and things, and getting in fights and hurting people. The, the guy is troubled, and he needs help. But he's his, he's his guard. So John Gruden has basically come into the league again after – having a great image on the outside, and has gone, has really taken the bad boy image of the Oakland Raiders to a whole nother level in this point. I mean, I was going to say, if he wants to go back to the days of where they were, you know, the the old dislikable Oakland Raiders, he's tried to take them there. He's doing it. But they're not... <laughs> Days have changed. Yeah, but they're not the same team, though, either. I mean, that team did it, and they won. You know, this team is doing it, and they're they're winning mediocre. Well, yeah, but they're they're you know the fact that he has sold out and taken everybody's rejects and guys who are really truly troubled. I mean, Antonio Brown right now, after this deposition problem that he just went through this week, where he was talking incoherently, and they've got it all on tape, where he was refusing to answer, where he was using profanity during a deposition. Yeah. Um, and then you've got Perfect. Who, did you see the hit? I did. 
It was, was brutal. No, yeah, there was no reason for it. Guy was on his knees. Doyle was on his knees. Or Boyle, or whatever his name no, is. It was Doyle. Peter Boyle was. <laughs> <laughs> he was on his knees. He was helpless. Yeah. And he came flying in with all of his weight and lowered his head and could he have, went helmet to helmet. Literally he just, could have killed this guy. He like could've. he could have killed Antonio Brown. Yes. I mean, he literally could have broken Brown's neck. He could have literally broken Doyle's neck. Yeah, he was looks like he was trying to. He was trying to. Yeah. And then when he walked off the field, he was blowing kisses to the fans and laughing. And this guy is a you know I heard a press conference with Derek Carr that Carr said that he's one of the most uh, misunderstood people. Yeah, really. And I was thinking to myself, I don't, I don't know about that. Well, he may he's... be the nicest guy in the world off the field. He but could on be. the field, he's a dangerous person. He is, because he plays with a reckless abandonment. And if you're a nice person, you don't hit somebody like that and lay him out, intent to hurt him, and then run off the field blowing kisses to the fans. No, you don't do that. At the opposing park. No, not at all. So... All that nice guy stuff, that's out the window to me. See, but the thing is, is that when they were the Raiders of old, like I'm talking like your your George Atkinson, uh, Jack Tatum, Ben Davidson Raiders, when they had those guys and they were doing that, the Snake and Bolitnikoff, I mean, obviously the league allowed for stuff like that then still. The, the rule book really... Hadn't come open on that. But again, it, the league was in such a different place that you could get away with doing that stuff then. And yeah, but look what happened to Daryl Stingley. Oh, I know. I know. It was a vicious hit. It was the same kind of hit that Burford laid out on Antonio Brown. It was. But in that point in the league, doing something like that was, albeit bad, it was legal. Yeah. You could do it, and nobody thought twice about it. I mean, and he had... Him and Atkinson, Tatum and Atkinson, had multiple hits like that in yeah, their career. I agree. Almost every hit they made was like that. And Ben Davidson, the guy with the handlebar mustache. With his clotheslines. Yeah, he used to go into the backfield when they would play Namath, and the coaches at, at Oakland would tell him they would say, hey, make sure you get a couple of extra hits on Namath. Hit him in the leg a couple times. Go up and give him a, a forearm. A noogie. Yeah. <laughs> Put him in a headlock. Yeah, I, I just... Uh, Take out your gun and shoot his leg. What I don't understand about Gruden is saying, this will hurt our team. This is going to hurt our team. But what about the guy who just got laid out, John? Give me a break. And if John... Here's what I want to ask before we go to break. If John Gruden was in the broadcast booth... Broadcast booth yeah, again, what would he be saying? What would he be saying? What I know would he, he would. I saying? know he wouldn't be agreeing with that. No, because no. he was adamant when he was in the booth about disagreeing with that type of yes. stuff. And now he's, oh, this is horrible. This guy should be thrown out of the league. Bontez Perfect should not be in the National Football League, and and we'll see what happens. And usually, I don't. I love good hits, but cheap, stupid. I'm going to hurt you. Kind of hits when a guy's on his knees? Give me a break. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back. Do you really think that Michigan State-Ohio State is a big game? Really? 
Well, no, but I mean, I, I want people listening to think that it is. Why? I don't know. Because You're lying our, to them? Because that's our job, to, like, blow things up a little bit. Ohio State's going to win by 20. I know, but, I mean, I still am, I'm not going to come on and be like, hey, don't listen to the game tonight. Well, you could listen to it. Obviously, Ohio State fans are going to listen to it regardless. They're going to listen to it regardless. But, come on. This is... I'll tell you what, I'm saying this, and I'm you know I'm not a huge Ohio State fan. Sure. It's not part of my fandom. I'm a, I've got my shirt on. But, but I think Ohio State is actually the most complete football team in college football this year. And I actually think they can and have a very, very good shot and winning the national championship this year for the first time. I think they've got for the they had they used to have JT Barrett, yeah, who really couldn't throw that well but could run. Yeah. Then they had Haskins last year who could throw but couldn't run. Yeah. Now they've got a kid at quarterback who is a real deal. Yeah, Fields, yeah. And now they've got the all the other parts around them, a great defense. They brought in Mattis or from from Michigan who bring in they brought in Mad Dog Mattis, General Matt. No. Who's that guy? Who's the guy that's the defense? I know who you're talking about. I just can't remember. All right. So now they've got a I think they've got a great defense and a great defensive scheme. Um their offense is complete. I actually think they may be the best team in college football this year. Yeah. I, and I, I think they're going to run through the Big Ten. Run through the Big Ten. I don't think there's going to be anyone that competes with them in the in the Big Two Little Ten. Big Two Little Eight, or whatever it is. There's 12. How many teams are in the Big Two? I don't know. Who are the Big Two? Well, actually, there isn't a bit. Probably Wisconsin and Ohio State. Penn State's pretty good. Penn State's okay. But no one is going to compete with Ohio State. So this game tonight is just... Well, yeah, I mean, I, I as I said, it's just... it's a. All right. So here, here's... This is what it is. Here's the other thing. So... Um, I made a call this week. I had a actually had a conference call with Kirk Schuring and with Thomas West. Okay. Um, and we discussed this whole thing with Ohio, the uh, Black Caucus. Greg Madison, by the way. Greg Madison, yeah. See, I knew it. Mattis, I said. That's just my that's how I that's what I call him. It's kind of a, a shortened version. I don't like saying Madison, so I call him Mattis. That's all. It's a likely story. Yeah. So anyway, I started asking about this whole thing with the, uh, there's legislation now in Ohio to pay athletes. I don't know if you knew that, but it's actually was, coming down. I was aware that there was legislation, obviously, in California that had been. Well, that's been passed. Yeah. But there's some, there's legislation now in Florida that's okay. getting voted on. There's legislation in Ohio that's being crafted. Interesting. There's legislation now in multiple states, uh, Kentucky, uh, all kinds of different places. 
So, uh, the the NCAA is under the gun. Uh, Anthony Gonzalez, our our representative from the uh, from Ohio mm-hmm. in the in the United States House, yeah, is also crafting legislation. And I spoke to his communication director this week, and they he is crafting legislation on the national level. Now, Kirk Shearing told me Thomas West confirmed that that it was happening in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Kirk Schuring talked to me about the states. He 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 told me that the states are doing this not because it is going to work, because he feels it's it's going to be challenged constitutionally and and using the uh, commerce clause, the state commerce clause. Okay. So he feels like the states are all doing this in order to force the federal government or the NCAA to do something. That these actually won't stand up to court challenges, constitutionality-wise. And it's going to cause, but it's causing everyone at the NCAA and the conferences to panic. And so... The only legislation that can truly make a difference is is coming from the federal can come from the federal level, and that's what Anthony Gonzalez is doing, which is interesting. But I also started looking at, you know, that Jim Delaney from the Big Ten. Yeah, he's the commissioner. Yeah. Commissioner, you know how much money he's making? Mm, probably a couple mil a year. Uh, you know that he got a he was he will reap a twenty million dollar bonus. Wow. He makes over a million dollars a year. But he's going to get a bonus. His contract kicked in that should exceed twenty million. On top of his multi-million dollar base salary. This is a commissioner of the Big Ten. Now, this is like me saying, think about this. To give people a perspective, I own a business. I have about 100 employees that work for me. All right? What if I went to them and said, we've got rules here, folks. You can't make any money. I'll give you a small stipend. I'll pay for your continuing education. But you can't make any money. What would people say about that? Be upset. But the NCAA and Jim Delaney and guys like him and all these commissioners are doing exactly that. This guy's going to make $20 million. All these commissioners are multi-million dollar contracts off the backs of young people who are risking everything to play the game for nothing. And when you put that into perspective of my business and any other business owner saying, hey, we've got rules. You can't make money. I'm going to make the profit. You can't make money. 
They don't, the only reason the NCAA is moving now on this and they're having this commission that's going to study this, really, what do you have to study? All they're trying to do is delay. And so you've got this, the states. I hope the states keep going. I hope Ohio passes this. I hope Florida passes it. I hope Kentucky passes it. I hope they all pass it because it's going to force somebody, and I hope Anthony Gonzalez, I hope to have on the show soon, I hope they pass something to not let the NCAA off the hook. But don't you find this all interesting? Oh, it is. It absolutely is. I think the whole situation with what's going on in California, too, is interesting. I, th- I think this has been a kind of a landmark week for college sports as we know it. The only thing I don't like about the California rule is it doesn't kick in until 2023. So it, gives, it, it lets the NCAA off the hook for three years. <clears throat> thing is, though, is that it, it, and I think Urban Meyer said it this week, he said that this will forever change college sports good what happened this week good i mean it really will good it's it's the the first step i think in a number of of in a long list of things that are going to happen that are going to make college sports completely different and it should and it should you you sometimes you have to break it completely down in order to build it back upright they started doing this the ncaa allowed this when they started one and done in basketball when they started uh, two and three done in football, when they started making it, reaping benefits, and guys started making $20 million bonuses for being a commissioner, on the backs of basically slave labor, and I don't want to call it, I don't want to make it, take it to that extreme, but let's face it. And then they started opening up the transfer portal so you could transfer, you could do this, you know, you've got you've got free agents, basically. Yeah. No, that's not. And the thing is that Urban Meyer also said that he he loved college sports initially when he got into it because there was that that you know you were an amateur. I mean, it was it was what it was. I mean, you you were coaching young men to not just be great on the field, but be great off the field, and so on and so forth. And he said that. As time has gone by and as things have changed, he said you're getting less and less of that, and you're getting more and more of you know players that want to be paid or this or that or, or the other. Well, the other part is it's all recruiting, and I asked Archie this, Archie Griffin, this last week: is you're starting? It used to be you brought kids in, and over four or five years you developed them. When I played, there was a lot of guys who, like Matt Blair and Mike Strawn and all these guys that played, had great NFL careers. Keith Crefley played for the Eagles for years. Matt Blair played for the Vikings. Mike Strawn was a New Orleans Saint and, and played for years. And these were good players. But they had to stay the whole time. Yeah. They were redshirted. They played five years, four years. You couldn't play as a freshman. You know, that was true amateur sports. It is not that way today. And you developed players as a coach. You brought guys in who weren't quite there but then developed. Nowadays, 
you recruit the finished product. And they're there for two years. In basketball, how many freshmen? Uh, Zion Williamson. You yeah, know, there was never a chance that he was going to stay. No. More than a year. So how loyal is he to the school? He's not. He's not. It's not the same as, you know, as other sports either. I mean, that's... So the NCAA, my point is, and this is the last, um, unless something new happens with it, but my point is the NCAA has done this to themselves. They have reaped the benefits of it. They're, the NCAA makes a hundred... Oh, let me see what they make. I know it's like a, a billion dollars a year profit. At least. The NCAA. That's crazy. And and so they've done this to themselves. And now all of a sudden, people are saying, wait a minute, this isn't right. This isn't right. And Archie Griffin either say, even said it. I was actually shocked that Archie said they should be paid. You know, and, and so... I, I like what's going on in Ohio. I agree with what Thomas is doing, what the Black Caucus is doing in Ohio to initiate this. I I also agree with Kirk that this is not so much what these state things are doing, but what they're doing to spur the NCAA to move. So it's, it's very interesting. Stay tuned. The week there was will continue. Right after this, you know, I saw a story that a story this week that um, was very. It, 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 I when I read the title, read the headline, I knew where it was. A bar in Florida removed fourteen thousand dollars that was stapled to its walls to provide hurricane relief for the Bahamas. The the employees of the Florida Bar were very careful in bringing down the $14,000 in cash stapled to its walls to give to the Red Cross. The bar is a Siesta Key Oyster Bar. Now, I have many dollars stapled to that wall that are no longer there. And I'm glad they did this. The Siesta Key Oyster Bar is my favorite bar. My wife and I go to Siesta Key every year in the winter. That is the bar where I literally go in. The last year when I went, we were there three times. And I ate five dozen oysters one time, six dozen oysters another time, and seven uh, dozen oysters the third time I was there in one week. I mean, just sit there and devour the oysters. And at the same time, every time we go, we staple a dollar bill there. Or a couple dollars. And I was glad to see that. And those things have been collecting forever. Now, we wrote our names on it, but I guess they're still good. So they carefully took them down. They donated them. So I feel good 
that they have done that. That is not the first time that they've done it. They they've donated uh, cleared the walls in the past and gave ten thousand to local charities. Um, they've given thirteen thousand to other organizations. So every every so so on and so forth. Um, every couple of years they take down the dollars and they use it and donate it. It's really pretty amazing because when you sit in there, the walls are completely. It was a hard. It's it's always hard to find a place to staple your your bill, and sometimes there's tens and twenties. Most of the time it's dollars, five, you know, two dollars, something like that. But every once in a while, someone puts a twenty or a fifty or something like that there. It's really neat, and that's uh, that's a siesta key. So we'll have to go back this year and replenish the dollars so that they could use it again for something else. I thought that was just a neat story. It's a great place. All right, when we come back, we're going to get into the emotional toll that politics and news and everything is taking on the American public. And we're going to talk about that. And is there really any difference in who is the president? Is there really any difference? It's a great question to ask. Maybe I'm wrong, but is there any difference? Stay tuned. The week that was will continue right after this. You know, on the uh, after my opening, when I talked about if you had, you know, after the death of of Vince Santafaro, my friend, and and the tragic death of of one of my a young man that I consider considered a son almost, uh, Shane Nalepa. Uh, I, I, you start thinking, okay, look, you, you start realizing mortality. You start thinking, hey, look, there, what if I only had six weeks to live, six months to live? What would happen at that time? How would my attitude change? How would our attitude change? Would everything outside of us, out the, the the all the stupid stuff, the judging people by skin color, by politics or whatever, would that all go away? Would we realize the importance of just people? And so I started looking at other things like the health of the American people, the emotional and physical toll on Americans over something like politics. Now, this has gone on and it's starting to escalate, but they a study was done on people, uh, 800 Americans selected for the pool, uh, in order to create a representative sample of the U.S. population. 40% admitted that politics is stressing them out. Five, one in five said that they are losing sleep over it. Now, it became especially apparent during the 2016 election, but it actually was growing even before that. The, The cost of the polarization to individuals is starting to be accounted for by social scientists and health researchers. 
quite a few numbers in this jumped out at me. 20% of the people surveyed had damaged friendships because of political disagreements. Damaged relationships. One in five reported fatigue. And a small small proportion, about 4% of the people, said they'd actually had suicidal thoughts because of politics. That translates, if you take those numbers and extrapolate them out, translates into about 10 million adults that have considered suicide over politics. That's where we're at today. 22%. They are saying one in five said they have lost a friend, friendship, because of politics. Now, you throw in all the other things that go on, all the other external stuff. People say that that they are actually crazy. It's making them crazy watching cable news. And the survey, other surveys have gone into the point where they're saying this is akin to a public health crisis in the country. Now, when you look at life and you look at the things that are important, is this really necessary? Now, it goes into this. The Democrats are now saying an impeachment vote could happen by the end of the year. Now, it probably won't. It'll probably go on more. The event, the extent, I'm sorry, and the sphere of this investigation is growing daily they've they've upped the ante you know it was originally this call with uh you know with the ukraine and the whole thing now it's starting to expand so what does this remind you of folks if you thought the two-year Mueller investigation you would be correct now that's over so now we've got another thing That's going to keep going and going and expanding and (sighs) causing people to get crazy. If there was a crime committed, we definitely need to know that. We do. But either vote or not. Move on with the people's business. Because mark my words, this will turn into the exact political circus that will be covered nonstop by the media, and we'll be watching this, and it'll be tuned into this, and it will go on forever. Into the election. Because that's just how it is. While kids kill kids, People go hungry. Our immigration system is total shambles. Bridges and highways remain a mess. And this is going to turn into a political show. Almost like Nero fiddling while Rome burned. So why do we get trapped in this constantly? 
let's look at the presidents. Let's look at the scandals. Let's look at the things. All of us look at presidents as if it's going to be a major change. We see, we like some things, we hate others. But now they have gotten us to hate each other because of some things we like and some things we don't. All presidents make mistakes. They do good things, they do bad things. But does anything really change? Ronald Reagan had the Iran-Contra scandal. You know, actually bringing cocaine into the country in South Central. Actually helping drug lords move their shipments. Actually bringing guns to cartel members. You remember Ollie North and all that? George H.W. Bush invading Iraq instead of defending Kuwait. Remember no new taxes? Read my lips. Bill Clinton, he was impeached. He also did the crime bill. If you remember that, folks, the crime bill. And I thought Bill Clinton was a good president. But he was impeached for lying, for having an affair in the Oval Office. But worse than that, I think, was the crime bill, which began where we are today with millions and millions of fathers, brothers, locked up for for. A lot of them petty drug crimes. Families broken up. The crime bill tripled our population of of incarcerated people. George W. Bush, essentially lying about WMDs in order to overthrow the real only stabilizing force in the Middle East. Lying. Barack Obama overthrew another stabilizing force and really a benign force in the Middle East in Gaddafi. There was no need to overthrow Gaddafi. He wasn't doing anything. He was neutered. But we overthrew him. And because of that, we lost an ambassador and an embassy. He also gave $6 billion of stimulus to companies that didn't need it like Solyndra. Now, when I look back at Barack Obama, he wasn't a bad president. I thought he did some really good things, and I'm admitting that. But he did some foolish things, too. And then you have Donald Trump. He's made a lot of mistakes, and mostly with his mouth. So who can really do that job, honestly? Let's look at this. The only person that can do that job is a person who truly wants what's best for our country and its citizens. A person who is devoid of ego and has a desire not to be enriched or ingratiated by the position. One who is willing to destroy the deep state and fight a losing battle. 
There is no person like that. <laughs> there is a, so what is the answer? We'll talk about that when we come back. So what is the answer? I happened to watch a movie this week, and I watched it twice. And the movie was called Fair Game. And it was about Valerie Plame and her husband, Joe Wilson. Um, it, was a, it was a story of how she was discredited, how she was outed as a covert CIA agent, uh, because she basically said that the WMDs in, in, in Iraq or Iran no, Iraq, we're not there. So, I want to paraphrase a quote and quote, use some words from it, but paraphrase the rest, from a speech that Sean Penn gave at the end of the movie Fair Game. How many of you know exactly why Democrats are pursuing the impeachment hearings on President Trump? How many of you know exactly why? But how many of you know the name Adam Schiff and Nancy Pelosi? You all know that. I asked the first question because it should be far more important than the second. And it likely worked. Because none of us know the truth. We don't know the whole truth about anything. The offense that is alleged was not committed against Adam Schiff and Nancy Pelosi. It alleged to have been committed against you and against all of us. If this constant fighting taking place, instead of legislating, makes you angry, makes you feel misrepresented, you realize that you have a choice to do something about it or just sit back and watch the show. When Benjamin Franklin left Independence Hall just after the second draft of the Declaration of Independence, he was approached by a woman on the street. The woman said, Mr. Franklin, what manner of government have you bequeathed us? And Franklin said, a republic, madam, if you can keep it. The responsibility of a country is not in the hands of a privileged few. We are strong and we are free from tyranny as long as each one of us remembers it is his or her duty as citizens to keep it. Whether it's to report a pothole at the top of your street or lies and constant politicizing of events from both sides, speak out. Ask those questions. Demand the truth. Democracy is not a free ride. But this is where we live, and if we do our job, this is where our children will live. The thing about this whole thing is... Instead of getting angry at each other, 
We have to stay together, support each other, love each other, no matter what side you're on, no matter what color you are, no matter what your religion is. We don't have that much time on this earth, folks. And we don't have time to hate each other for stupid things. Skin color. How ridiculous is that? Political affiliation. How much how ridiculous is that? Can't we disagree and still love? We don't have much time. How would you act if you only had six months? Act like that. Treat every day as if it's your last. Don't get caught up in this junk that they're putting us through. Stay unified. Work together to change it. The power is in our hands, not theirs. Problem is, we have hated each other and divided each other in so many different areas that there is no strength anymore. It's like a team of football saying, All the offensive linemen saying, I hate you backs. We're not going to block for you. All the backs saying, I'm not going to run through the hole. I'm going to make you look bad. I hate you. Quarterback saying, I'm going to throw the ball in the dirt every time you go out for a pass because I hate you. That's what we're doing. And we got to stop. We're playing their game. We're buying into it. And we have lost the fact of understanding that everything we have in this country is because of the citizens, not because of the legislators. And we need to love each other, care for each other, and treat each other as brother and sister. I learned that, I've learned that over the years, but it became magnified this week. Live life as if it's your last day. We'll be right back. There's another story this week that was uh, close to home. It's kind of funny. There were, these stories came out like the the bar, the oyster bar in Siesta Key. And, um, there was a fiery crash of a B-17 plane this week, um, which makes people start to question, are vintage bomber rides dangerous? Uh, gentlemen, there was a crash of a World War II bomber. Uh, the wife of the man who died in it said it was his, his bucket list item. It was a, a bucket list item that he wanted to do, a B-17 bomber. But he had a bad feeling when he got into the plane. Plane crashed, um, killed seven people, and uh, it lost power when it started off and and then came down and crashed into a facility that caused it to go to go on to, or explode in a fire and everybody was killed. There have been twenty one incidents um, and twenty three deaths of these vintage bombers since uh, 1982. And that's pretty extraordinary. 
But that was part of the thrill. And I know, I know my wife right now, Kirby's probably going, you're, don't, don't say it, but I know you're going to, but I am. Isn't that part of the reason we get in these things? I flew in one. And I'm telling you what, folks, it roared. Those engines, they smoke when you start. It's wide open. There are places you walk where, where if you take a, a wrong step, you could fall out of the plane. There's no windows. There's a big open area. You walk around in there and you bump your heads and and but but that's part of the thrill. It it rumbles, it shakes, it's noisy. There's ropes going through it that they said, okay, don't grab onto these ropes when you're walking through here because those ropes control the rudders. You'll basically be flying the plane. But that was that was the thrill of it, to feel what those men felt, those young men in World War II, who not only actually just flew into it on a pleasure ride, but were up there sh- getting shot at, freezing in sub-zero weather, up 40,000 feet in the air, bombing, I mean, to live that, to experience that, I thought to myself, this thing could crash. I thought to myself, this thing is old. But that, that sometimes that's, I know you don't want to take unnecessary risks in life. But that, those risks like that, getting in that plane and flying, Across the state of Ohio? Get your juices going. It adds, it, it brings a, uh, it brings a level of, of adrenaline and, and just a, a bringing life, it makes life real at that moment. And trust me, I, there were times when I was, you know, when we took off, when we landed, flying and listening to those engines and seeing them smoke when we took off and feeling the, the, is this thing going to get off the ground? I mean, it was unbelievable. I hope that, that they don't ground all these. You know, I realize there's a chance. There's a chance in everything. There's a chance when you drive down the street. There's a chance you get on a jet airliner. I'm flying to China in two weeks. It's a 13-hour flight. And I'm going to China, which is, it's the same kind of adrenaline. You know, going to a place that you've never seen and never imagined, a completely different culture in which, you know, I'll tell you a story, some stories uh to be honest with you my son and 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 my wife are don't want me to go Kirby and Zach don't you know they they're like do you have to go I have to go I have to go I want to go you know it's something that is that is uh is something that I need to do and and something we should 
I don't know about you, and, and we're talking about a lot of things we're talking about life today, but I have to be stretched. I want to be stretched. I mean, if we're not stretched and made uncomfortable, how do we grow? I, I It's just like this pull that you have to push the envelope. That, you, that even no matter what your age is, you want to be stretched. You want to be pulled. You want to be made uncomfortable. It makes you feel alive. It's important. When we come back, I've got a uh, Kamala Harris, who is running for president. She, uh, along with others, have said, you know, we, uh, they support Medicare for all. Basically a government system. Do away with private payers. There's good and bad to this, and I realize that. I'm willing to look at it from the middle. But her, Bernie Sanders, and a couple others have gone to the to the extreme of saying everyone should get it, including illegal aliens. Now, if you want that, I've got a solution for it. We'll never do it. Like my son said to me, Dad, that'll never happen. But I've got a solution for it that we could do that wouldn't be that hard, that would make sense if I were president, if I was in an area of control, we could make this happen. But someone else is going to pay for it rather than the American taxpayers, and I'll tell you that solution when we come back. You know... Kamala Harris, I told you, Kamala Harris is, uh, and, and Bernie Sanders and, and others um, would like to have Medicare for all, do away with private insurance, um, and include illegal immigrants. We, don't, we can't use that term anymore. Undocumented, whatever. Um, visitors. You know, and and that's fine. Let's change our focus then. Let's look at this from a different view. Because right now, we give housing allowances to illegal immigrants. A lot of them are uh, receiving social benefits food stamps, different things. So we're basically taking money from taxpayers and giving them to people who aren't citizens. And a lot of times don't pay taxes, pay into the system. So in the meantime, we've got citizens of our country, young people who are going hungry, who are not getting the education that they need. 
So here, here's my solution. Let's attack it from a different way. Let's not demonize these people that are coming into the country because they're coming into a country for a better life. They're coming into a country because we have a lot of benefits to them that they don't get in their country. Let's figure out a way with all the things we do on, the da- on data now and everything else. We collect data on every American citizen. They know everything about us. Have a citizenship card. Have a card or an ID. When you go into a a medical facility for care, let's say we do all this. We gave, in 2018, we gave $207 million in aid to Mexico. We gave $117 million in aid to Honduras and $220 million to Guatemala in one year. And so on and so forth. We give money to everybody. What if we came up with a solution that said, okay, we'll take care of you when you're in our country, but when you go into the emergency room or you go for care, you have to tell us what country you're a citizen of. So you have an ID card or whatever. You say, where where are you from? I'm from Honduras. Okay. That goes into a database. And all the money that is spent on uh, maybe welfare, housing, food stamps, whatever, for for these people, we take that money off of what we give to that country every year. We subtract it. So if it's $10 million that we're spending on citizens of Mexico being in our country, you immediately subtract that in the database. It shows it. You subtract that from the financial aid we give them or the the aid we give them every year. So that country pays for it. And the country's not looking at it like, oh, we have to pay for this, we're losing money. We give them aid anyway. So instead of $207 million to Mexico, maybe we give $190 million. And the rest of it goes into the pot to pay for the aid we're giving to people. How hard would that be, really? It'll never get done. But then... My biggest beef about having people in this country is that other people have to pay for it. I mean, because let's go back to the beginning. Governments don't make money. Governments tax to pay for the things we do. They tax us in many, many ways. So why should we pay if Kamala Harris says we're going to give Medicare to everybody in this country? So you could walk in off the streets, not pay a dime, be illegal. Now imagine the attraction that that's going to have in immigration. So if you're going to do it, and we can't stop the borders, nobody wants to close the borders, nobody wants to do anything, Let's come up with another solution. 
Let's build those countries through the aid that we give them. So when we provide free education, food stamps, housing allowance, health care, we ask people to show what country they're citizens of. Simple. Not mean, not malicious. We just ask them. And we treat them. If someone goes to a hospital or a doctor, he or she has to show an ID or whatever from another country. We collect it in a database, and at the end of the year, we subtract it from the foreign aid. Boom. That's it. Never get done. (laughs) You know, Americans, I, I want to do this real quick. We have time. Americans spent in 2018 more and this is kind of dovetails into this. This makes you even a little bit more that something has to happen. Americans spent more in taxes in 2018 on average than on food, clothing, and health care combined. The average American spent in 2018, according to table R1 of the American consumer, they call us consumer units. That makes you feel good. Spent an average of $9,031 on federal income taxes, 5000 on Social Security taxes, and 2000 on state and local income taxes, and another 2000 in property taxes, and $77 on other taxes. So that totaled 18. The average American spent... $18,617.93 on taxes in 2018. The average American spent combined on food, on health care, and on clothing $14,758.11 in 2018. So we spent the average Americans spent four thousand more dollars on taxes than on food and clothing and health care. It gives you a little idea how much we're spending. And so it's not too much to ask others, those countries, to pay for their citizens and not pay for them, just get it deducted from their aid. Boom. Simple. Stay tuned. The week that was will continue right after this. You know, we have talked about uh, China and the social credit system. It's really funny because it's, you know, there was a a show on it a couple years ago, and I talked about it, and then all of a sudden it started happening, and it's really happening, um, and people can't travel or anything. Now, the Chinese regime has announced a new rule that goes into effect December 1st of this year, and it's facial recognition in order to get on the Internet or get a smartphone or a computer. So it will have to recognize your face If you're a bad social credit person, you will no longer get on the Internet. And the Chinese government can monitor 
your posts on the Internet real time. And so you can no longer speak up. They're really clamping down. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see what the people are like there Um, in the towns. You know, I, I know I will keep my mouth shut and say thank you. And please. <laughs> but it, it will be interesting to see how the people are in the, in the smaller towns. You know, we land in Beijing. Uh, we fly out of Hong Kong. So it's going to be interesting to see both of those. But we're just landing and connecting in Beijing and then flying to the town where the Shaolin Temple is in southern China, and then we fly into Hong Kong and then just transfer to a flight going to Chicago. But these new rules are are amazing, and it's going to be interesting to see firsthand how they are affecting the people there. Um, We did a story last week about vaping and and all the stuff that's going on. There was a a study, cannabis, cannabis vape pens, sold in the black market, unlicensed dealers. Uh, Many have been found to contain hydrogen cyanide and other chemicals that cause lung lung damage. Out of 15 pens that were studied, bought from unlicensed dealers, uh, 13 contained vitamin E, which causes lung damage when inhaled. 13 out of 15. The same number contained a fungicide called uh, buninil. I don't know how to pronounce that, which can turn into hydrogen cyanide when heated. So this is interesting stuff. Um, you know, there's stories. Anthony Mayo, uh, he only vaped flavored, legal flavored tobacco but it solidified in his lungs, and he died. Uh, Maddie Nelson, 18, who only vaped legal tobacco e-cigs, was put into a coma. So these things are truly, truly dangerous. A man with a heavy vaping habit died this week from lung disease that resembles a rare form of pneumonia. So this is... um, this continues to be a serious problem. Uh, if you know anybody who vapes or does that, you, you need it. This, you'd be better off smoking cigarettes, folks. I mean, it's simple. Um, this is another story that I, uh, you know, this whole thing about AI just intrigues me. There's a story this week where robot politicians replace humans in the White House. It's interesting. It's interesting. You know, you think that's far-fetched. But when you think of a president and prime minister, what they have to do, how many economic decisions, political health and transport decisions, how many matters that they have to deal with, would a robot ever be the president? or an elected official even. Now, there's a Russian company 
that is going to start, and they're already up and running, start mass-producing humanoid humanoid robots that can look exactly like you. I saw a picture of them. It's, it's unbelievable. They're, they're starting up and they're launching production of unique like-like robots. They lifelike. They look exactly like you. They're also, in British, uh, British employees, this was a story that's come out. They're, they're, it's becoming more, they're deliberately sabotaging workplace robots because they're taking their jobs. I mean, we found it in fast food, manufacturing. Now, there's also another, in the United States, they're developing, they say, that robot soldiers carrying tank guns could hit the battlefield by 2050. Future shoulders, soldiers could wear battery-powered armor suits able to carry guns normally found on mounted tanks. This is also happening in Britain. Britain companies also developing uh these tanks and these aren't and these humanoids robot soldiers now here's the thing that i wanted to bring up and i thought about this because it's going to happen you remember the jetsons steven do you remember they went to robot football games where the coaches i am i tried to get a clip i i was going to play it on the air but i couldn't find one but they, these guys, these coaches were legends. And they and these robots had names like Nagurski and all these things. They had names. And, but they were robots. And when they got hit real hard, they would break apart or something. And then a, a big, the trainees would come out, but it would be just a, like a, a thing that would sweep them up into a thing and they'd take them off and repair them or whatever. I'm thinking somewhere down the line with the safety problems and everything else and they develop the the rapid development of AI and of humanoids that football in the future will be played by robots. I mean, think about it. Everything happens. You see it first on TV in a movie or whatever iRobot, all these things. And then the, and 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 we think, oh, this is so far fetched. And then all of a sudden it's happening. We see a movie on social credit systems instead of financial credit systems. Where you get your credit score. Now it's social credit score. And it happens. With our appetite with people getting frustrated with penalties, do you hit the quarterback? Do you not hit the quarterback? Uh, Vontez Burfick tr- trying to hurt, hurt people. But excuse me, I sneezed again. But you you want to we want to see the hard hits. So what better way to do it when with not human beings? 
robots just pounding each other and being able to give us this insatiable appetite. I mean, right now we see we put two guys in an octagon and we have them beat the hell out of each other and we watch it. Is football going to get to that point? I predict it will. That we will have robots. NFL will be humanoids playing. And if they get hurt, who cares? It already is. No, it's not humanoids. It is. Have you seen Tom Brady? He's like 50 and he's still in great shape. He's clearly a robot. Oh, wow. What if we found out he was? That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm I'm waiting for the news to come out one day. Like, Bill Belichick is in, like, a back room with Tom Brady, and it's like the old Scooby-Doo. He, like, rips a mask off of him, and then, like, it's just this robot, and he's like, I throw touchdown passes. Have you ever seen Westworld? It's an HBO series. <laughs> oh, I haven't. It's unbelievable. Pardon? Yeah, but the movie... The movie with Yul um, Brenner oh, no. is not close to the series. The series is unbelievable. And it is all, it's a huge Western theme park. They have a ninja, or they have a uh, Chinese area, like a uh, Oriental area. But these are theme parks where people pay to go and they interact with robots. Westworld. And so you go into Wild West and you have gunfights and things. But the problem was the robots are becoming human and they want to survive. So it's out of control. No, that's a that's a complicated tapestry. Oh, it's unbelievable. But but this is where we're going and I predict the NFL will someday be humanoids. Yeah, we don't have time to unpack all of that, though. I don't care. Try and uh, try and unpack it in your brain after the show's over. <laughs> I uh, and robot politicians. We talked about. Well, that. we may already be there too. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a robot that can make 300 pizzas in an hour now. Well, a that's restaurant. the greatest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Seattle startup Picnic announced Tuesday that it has developed a robot that can make 300. 12-inch pizzas per hour, and 180 18-inch pizzas in an hour. A robot. Unbelievable. I suppose when Tiny Tiny Tim said, God bless us, everyone, that's what he meant. (laughs) God was going to bless us with a robot that could make 300 pizzas. In an hour. In an hour. Is this delivery or is this DiGiorno? No, it's It's robot, man. (laughs) We are going to come back. We have our contest. I'm giving this contest, by the way. I'm holding out for a new a new person. Somebody who has never won the contest, and because it is a great one. One pair of tickets to the blood prison at Mansfield Reformatory. This has got to be unbelievable. I want to go to this. Talk about getting your juices going. <laughs> This Tim would Robinson do it. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right. Here we go. This is one pair of tickets to Blood Pre- Prison at Mansfield Reformatory. This has got to be an unbelievable 
surprise. But I'm only taking, I hope nobody calls. Nobody's calling right now, which is fine with me. Because if no one calls, I'm taking the prize myself. Oh, we have a caller. But this has to be someone who's never won. What's your name, please? Hello? Is this Joe? Yes, Liz. I love you, but you've won before. I know. I'm not in for the tickets. I'll take it. Just tell you, my whole life has changed in the last two months. I broke my right hip. Tell your mom to be careful of crazy falls. Okay. And and I'm in assisted living in the But going to sell my house out there in Jackson and everything. But I just wanted to let you know that, Joe. God bless you and your mom. God bless you, Liz. You take care of yourself. I will. I will. I'm doing well. Thank the Lord. Thank God. All right. Love you. Bye. All right. What's your name, please? Uh, My name is Frank Ianni. Hi, Frank. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Good. Frank, have you... um, did you get the answers? No, I didn't even get the question. I just you, right. you asked me the question, or maybe I can answer it. All right. All right, I'm going to try and do this, Frank. Okay. Which TV character said live long and prosper? Which TV character? Yes. Live long and I don't know. Okay, got to go, Frank. All right, have a good one. Thanks, man. What's your name, please? Hi, this is Jason. Jason, how are you? Did you get the answers? Yes, sir, I did. All right, man, here we go. Which TV character said live long and prosper? Mr. Spock. Yes, sir. What is Chandler's last name in the sitcom Friends? The Bing? Bing. Yes. Which of the planets is closest to the sun? And I'm just going to have to take a big guess and say Mercury. You're right. All right. You won. All right. You get a pair of tickets to the blood prison at Mansfield Reformatory. Oh, my gosh. This is a great prize. You're going to go, I hope. Oh, yes, sir. I'm actually going to Columbus to a haunted house tonight. I love them. Okay. Then you're going to love this. This is one of the best prizes I've heard. And you could go to... uh, www.bloodprison.com to hear all about it. All right, sounds great. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you on hold. Okay, Joe, thank you. And Stephen's going to come on and get all your information. You can come in this week and pick it up, all right? All right, that sounds great. I really appreciate it. You have a great one. Have a great week. You too, thank you. Thank you. All right, a new prize winner. And, and the phones did finally light up. Like crazy, so that was good. I, I I thought that that was great. How much time do we have, Stephen? Almost two minutes. An elementary school in Evanston, Illinois, canceled Halloween. How many are doing this, I wonder? How many schools are canceling Halloween? And they're doing this. Uh, There's not going to be any candy. I used to love dressing up on Halloween and going to school. I didn't think it, I don't think anybody thought it was like against, you know, if you didn't, if you didn't want to dress up, you didn't dress up or whatever. I don't remember. But now they're saying Lincoln Elementary School and along with a whole bunch of others, um, 
is canceling Halloween because the school said it wants to be more inclusive of all students and avoid celebrating a cultural holiday. How is it a cultural holiday? During the school day that some students don't celebrate because of religious reasons. Now, what is dressing up? You don't have to be a monster. My son used to dress up as a hobo. We dressed him up as a hobo, which he hated. Big Bird. I don't understand this stuff. Anyway, I want to thank uh, Jim Michaels for bringing us the news. John Bazika Sports and so much more. Stephen Potter for making this all happen. And you, folks. I love being with you on Saturday morning. Have a great week, everybody. Make something great happen. I will talk to you next Saturday.